Hello and welcome to the extras this week. Lachlan Grice here with Sam Russell. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Thanks Uh, for having me. Pleasure. Look, it's probably worth saying. Welcome to you. Yeah, Yeah. thank you. I am not my wife, Candy. Uh, I've not suddenly just developed a deep voice. Candy has started her maternity leave. Yeah. And and you're stepping in um, into the breach of uh, kind of, you know, all things maturity at church. That's right. While Candy's on maternity leave, you're coming to join us for however long. Um, Yeah. 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 So looking forward to that. And one of those things that that means is that I'll be uh, helping us to keep thinking through our sermon passages in this Extras podcast. Nice. So I'm excited to see that. happen and excited to see us dig deep and be transformed by God's word uh, as we wrestle with what he has to say to us. Awesome. So you've joined us this week, Sam, because you were preaching on Psalm 15. I was, yeah. Had a great time in Psalm 15. We've been doing a little series across the month of January, just looking at a different psalm each Sunday. And um, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed that. I've been reading the Psalms during the the week and um, yeah, on on the days of the date. And uh, last Sunday was the 15th. So I was preaching Psalm 15. Nice. Look, Psalm 15 is nice and short, so I thought we might just start by reading that through, and then we've had a few questions come in Fantastic. on that. Yeah. So let me read Psalm yep. 15, a psalm of David. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent, who may live on your holy mountain, well, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others who despises a vile person, but honours those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts, and who does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. It's a great little psalm. Uh, Sam, without preaching your whole sermon again for us, what what stood out to you from that psalm as you prepared and spoke on the weekend? I guess two two big things. One was just the the very possibility that verse one raises that that God can be dwelt with, that mm. that that, a, that people can actually have a relationship, can come into God's presence and fellowship with Him. That's a really remarkable idea that, yeah. that God, the God of the universe, opens Himself up. That that some might approach. Mm. That, that's an awesome mm. thought. Mm. Um, and then uh, really the rest of the psalm explores well who 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 can do that, and what you see is. Actually, God's God's kind of call to, to His people is is a really high standard of righteous living. Mm. Um, the two words are there's there's righteous and blameless that kind of go together, which really set the bar high. And, and actually, call for Christians. I think reading this at now as Christian scripture, like it, it has an Old Testament meaning, but for us as Christians, there really is a call for us to to want to be blameless and righteous people. And really, verses two to five lays out some of what that looks like. Mm. Um, the the, the and I, I called it on Sunday five little litmus tests to, to give yourself to kind of examine is this the kind of stuff that my life has um, and, and to to want to be like this um, but also I guess it, it's another thing that, that actually we realise actually none of us are perfectly like this which I guess like many of the Psalms drives us forward from Psalms to to the Lord Jesus Christ who was perfectly like mm. this he was the one who, whose walk was blameless he was the one who did what is righteous and therefore, he is that one true worshipper that, that actually can approach God, mm. approach into his presence. And actually, he invites us on the basis of his righteousness to, to approach God um, in, in, in clothed in his righteousness on our behalf. And so um, that's something lovely that, that we actually don't meet this standard, um, but Jesus does and, mm. and offers us to, to be righteous in God's sight through him. Mm. Yeah. yeah. 
It's always good, isn't it, to see the character of God. Mm. He calls us to live that character, but it is, it's his character as well. That's right. right. And so he, we see that perfectly in Jesus. And yeah. Yeah, it's good to think through these bits of the psalm and how Jesus lived that out. Yeah. So many good examples of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've got some questions about some of those litmus tests that we'll get to. Nice. But there are a couple of questions that came in on a more general level. I thought it'd be worth starting with those. Yep. Uh, at some point in the sermon, you mentioned a survey mm. uh, that suggested a whole bunch of people in Australia actually believe that there is a God who exists. It was more than 50%. It was, yeah. I think 51 or 52% yeah. of, of Australians actually, or at least the respondents to the survey, um, yeah, b- believe in the existence of a, I think they called it a supreme being who created the world or something, yeah. something of that, that effect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one listener thought that that sounded too good to be true or to, uh, I don't know which way they went on that, <laughs> sure, but they, sure. didn't, they weren't sure on it. So they've asked whether that survey was given to a particular Bible belt or whether it was kind of a more general statewide survey. Do you want to fill us yeah. in on that? Um, so, I mean, you can look it up. Yourself. I, I found, uh, I came across it through um, McCrindle Research. They're a, um, a group that do social analysis and a lot of, a lot of demographic studies. Mm. Um, and they're not just pinned to religious kind of ideas. They actually do all kinds of stuff about just the nature of um, the social fabric of Australia and trying to give us hard data on that kind of stuff. And uh, they did this uh, study. Uh, you, you can look it up on their the website. If you just search McCrindle, faith, belief and church going in Australia, you will find this um, thing. That, that is, uh, you, you can see right down the bottom who they put it. It's, it's, it's across all the different states of Australia um, and uh, male, female, different age demographics as well of people. Um, and it's quite a high um, sort of number, there, 1,015, which I think there's a sweet spot in terms of Australian kind of surveys mm. where you need to get mm. a certain number of the population in order to get representative. Mm. Uh, that, that's what this kind of thing is. You can see all that on there. And there's also um, lots of questions beyond what I um, was exploring about that mm. one about believing in God. There's other things about church going statistics and um, personal faith and all sorts of different things like that. Yeah, so nice. um, have a look. Um, but yeah, McCrindle stuff is generally really, really helpful and interesting. Yeah. So. Good. so properly statistically significant. You didn't just go ask any mates what no, they thought. No, that's right. No. Um, uh, proper survey. Yeah. What do they say? Um, was it 95% of statistics are made up? <laughs> <laughs> I just made that one. Anyway, yeah. There you nice. go. Yeah. Uh, look, second question for you, Sam. Mm. As we've been working through the Psalms, uh, someone's just asked, should we be singing more Psalms at church on a Sunday? Um, great, great question. I mean, the Psalms, uh, at least collected as they are one of their functions was as, as kind of the, the hymn book of, of, of Israel they are um, they are often there's often you'll notice at the start there can be a little musical direction sometimes they say for the director of music or you know to be played you know according to the Gittith which I think is like a, a musical um, thing so they were clearly sung uh, by God's people and it's a good thing to do um, the New Testament says let let the word of God dwell uh, among you richly Colossians 3 uh, as you mm. sing psalms hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart gratitude in your heart to God mm. um, so I think psalms need to be part of the diet of our singing I, I think um, but they're not uh, some some Christians have the view that you only sing the psalms I think Colossians 3 opens that up you can also sing hymns and spiritual songs um, there, there's but, but think that things that enable God's word to dwell among you um, are, are good for Christians to sing so yeah. um 
Yeah, I, I don't want to give any further thoughts on that, Lockie. Well, just as I say that, I, I think of some other songs that are in the Bible that aren't mm. in the book of Psalms that mm. seem to have been sung. So the song of Moses in Exodus, yep. Yep. that gets picked up and sung. You hit Revelation and yeah. people around the throne of God singing worthy, songs worthy, worthy, that yeah. aren't in the Psalms. So I think there is, yeah, scope to sing beyond Psalms. Yeah. I, I guess one thing that we could do, and I think we do do as a church, is look at some of the, the themes that come up in the book of Psalms. Mm and check that we are singing songs that represent those themes. So that can be a helpful kind of check. As we're singing new songs, are we still singing about the same God, the same kind of themes that we're rejoicing in? That's a helpful practice. I think that's right. Great. Uh, Let's press into some of these litmus tests. Uh, So one of them in verse 5, this person who is blameless and righteous, who can dwell with God... It says that they lend money to the poor without interest mm. and that they don't accept a bribe against the innocent. Uh, people have had questions about this lending of money. There are a few mm. that came in there. Some of them we answered on Sunday. Yep. But I thought it just worth spending some time fleshing that out. So yeah. let me ask you, should Christians be lending money without interest or with interest huh. or should they just give money away and not expect to get it back? How should we think about the giving and lending of money? Yeah, great question. I mean... Um, there's lots to say here, actually, and, and maybe we can take a little bit of time to say some of it. Um, I, I think just thinking about what is Psalm 15 getting at here, um, what, what's its focus? I, I think um, if you look at um, th- what you note about structurally about the psalm is that a lot of these little lines of psalms don't stand on their own. They actually, they're paired up with, with something mm-hmm. else. And so it's good to read the pair together. So it's not just verse 5. It's not just lending more money without interest to the poor. It's also um, the second half of verse 5, not ex- accepting a bribe against the innocent. And so, um, and I, that's always good. They're little couplets of, of uh, things which help, one helps you understand the other. And the thread between the two, I think, is about making sure that vulnerable people are not exploited. Like, so you could take a bribe and, and end up um, kind of chucking the innocent person in jail or, or doing something uh, wrong yeah. against the innocent. I think that's, and, and verse five is not just lending money without interest, it's about lending money to the poor mm. without interest. So again, I think not exploiting the poor by sort of chucking on that they, they need a loan and so you take them for all they're mm. worth kind of thing. Mm. So it seems to me that the little thread that knits those two, cu- that, that couplet together is just being really wary of kind of opportunistic exploitation. Mm. That seems to be what, what I think that the quality of righteousness and blamelessness that God's people need to express. Um, and so I think it's, 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 it's not that that doesn't mean we can't talk about, well, should we lend with interest or not, but to make sure we don't miss the main game here, which is that I think Psalm 15 is, is asking us the question, uh, do we see vulnerable people as ripe for exploitation and we just take mm. it for, you know, um, there's cheap clothes at Kmart, so I'm, I'm just going to buy them because that's great. You know, like that, mm. that's, come, that, that's financially good for me and I don't really want to know about what kind of, actually Kmart generally, um, my wife works for Baptist World Aid, Kmart are actually going quite well on this stuff. That's so, good to uh, know. She, she looks know. after the ethical clothing guide, yeah, so it's great. a bit of a, that's one of the uh, things that's kind of, you know, we're often thinking about our, our purchasing decisions in line of that, that sure. kind of stuff. Um, there are better places um, than others to shop and sometimes mm. really cheap stuff, we think oh, I'm going to take that, but we're not thinking through, are we actually mm. just exploiting mm. the vulnerable mm. here? That kind of thing, I think, is really what Psalm 15 is pushing us to get into. So I just want to, I think that's helpful to say first off the bat. Uh, But then back to the question, what what should we do if we are going to make a loan? Um, Yeah, I I mean, I I take it in this case, sometimes these things might come out that you're aware of somebody, maybe they're a a brother or sister at church and you know they're they're doing it tough and they need need a loan, they need some some money now to do something. Um, 
I suspect a great way to show love and generosity and kindness would be to say, you know what, here's a loan. Um, if you can pay me back, that's totally fine. Um, but maybe even loan, like Jesus takes that a step further, doesn't he? You know, loan without expecting to receive mm, back. Mm. Um, you know, if I ask you to go one mile, go two. Mm. Is that kind of... Um, but but certainly the idea of thinking, like what, what an awful thing it would be to see someone at church who's struggling and think, you know what, I'll loan them a thousand bucks and I'll put 20% on it too because this, yeah. this will come back really good for me. Um, that I think is just, is, that's the wicked heart that, that um, Psalm 15 is pushing against here, a greedy, exploitative kind of heart and saying, don't, don't do that. If, you, if there's someone vulnerable, sure, loan them some money. Uh, don't expect interest back. Mm. Yeah, uh, that, that I think is, is the heart of what's, what's, what's going on here. Um, does that mean that in other situations, you know, like can a Christian be a banker or that kind of thing? Um, I, I think that's a slightly different question because I think that, that changes the arena and there is, you know, there's banking right throughout the Bible. And I, I don't think that, that there's a command here never to put interest on money. Um, but I think in terms of looking after the vulnerable, we, we don't want to be exploiting um, that opportunity there. Yeah, it's helpful. And I, you just think about society at the moment. It feels like we're in the midst of a, a new push for, you know, the old payday lender. Mm. Seeing more ads for that, yep. I think. And Definitely. I've, I've heard good stories of churches that have kind of driven those payday lenders out of their vicinity because they've spoken so hardly against it. Yeah. You, know, you, you are exploiting the vulnerable. That's right. And we yeah. don't want you to be doing that. Here. Yeah. Um, I think of afterpay as well. And I know mm. there's a good way of using that. But yep. again, I think of many who are just spending money that they don't have yep. and being exploited by a Absolutely. company that is out to make money. Out off to them. make money off the board. Yeah. And that, that's really, that's really tricky. So, um, yeah, I, I think we, we need to be upfront and, and I think we need to be the, the kind of people who actually are kind of first, the, the first and most generous people in our society that we are happy to, mm. to I think that's really important for us, not just to, not utilize those things but actually be actively generous people i think that's that's really important for us yeah that's helpful yeah another one of the litmus tests that comes up in verse three is about uh, someone whose tongue utters no slander Mm. someone who casts no slur on others yeah a couple of questions here so one person heard that in verse three but then heard in verse four that you're also meant to despise a vile person Mm. and they're struggling to hold those together how can Mm. you despise a vile person Without slandering them. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, great question. I love. I love the question there because they're they're sort of trying to think. Well, okay. These things have got to go together somehow. Mm. You know. So how do we make sure that if we're honouring verse four, that we're not in danger of um, kind of transgressing verse three? Um, and that could. I can certainly imagine that being the case. And there's certainly cases of, I think even Christian people, um, you know, um, publicly condemning someone. Um, for, for their evilness by, while actually slandering them, you know. So, great question. I, I think that's really, really good to think through. Um, I guess the question comes back to, well, what does it mean to despise a vile person? Um, I, I tried to kind of capture the heart of it on Sunday by talking about um, being loyal to God's views on the world, that hating what God hates and mm. loving loving what God loves. Um, and I think, I don't think verse 4 requires you to comment on that person's evilness necessarily mm. it, it might but i think at this it, it's sort of saying i think if you're righteous you don't love evil because god doesn't love evil so you, you actually you hate evil and you, you despise evil and i think that's the idea there that don't don't be don't think that you're right with god and then but then go well then it's perfectly okay for me to just love all sorts of evil things and i you know um yeah that i think is what it's getting at so yeah, sure. um 
there, there comes a point where we do then part of that loyalty will be standing up and saying um, what um, what God loves and what God hates and not being ashamed of God's views on the world um, but I, I think the way that we do that I think um, it is it is really important that we do it with while not slandering particular people or something like mm. that and I think um, you know there have been all kinds of um, debates that, that Christians are kind of I mean one of the ones that we're kind of you know, has been in the in the media lately is around um, end of life care and and uh, euthanasia and that kind of stuff. Um, I, I think it's it's right for a a Christian to stand up and say um, we we hate we hate death, we hate murder, we hate um, mm. vulnerable people being exploited, which is one of the mm. great dangers mm. in something like euthanasia. Um, but to, that's quite a different thing to sort of you know picking on a particular person and saying this person who wants this they're terrible do you know what I mean like um, yeah. yeah yeah and so just being being respectful of people but but championing God's ideas and God's righteousness if you can see the distinction there yeah hey, just to keep pressing in here um, I don't want to take too long but mm. uh, one of the thoughts I'm having on this idea of slander do you think mm. does slander imply that what you're saying is false or am I wrong in thinking that yeah just as I look at it, you're doing no wrong to a neighbor, you're casting no slur. It makes me think of the command that you don't make yeah. false testimony against a person. Yeah. Do you think... It's a good thought. I suspect... Oh, I mean, look, I'm no no legal person. I think in a, in a legal point of view, it can't be defamatory if it's true, right? Mm. Um, that's one of, the, mm. one of the great defenses against, like from a legal standpoint, yeah. against yeah. defamatory... Uh, thing so so possibly there's something there. I think I need to think about that a little bit more. Uh, I, I think I had it the way I've been speaking, and you make, you're causing me hopefully to to, uh, to think about this. I think I'm I'm thinking that it is. I wonder if it is still possible to cast a slur on someone with something that may be true. Um, but I need to ponder that some more. Like when you you've helped well, I'm sure it could be in terms of how yeah. widely you broadcast something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I, I can imagine a a thing, an instance where something where, where there's a truth about a person but it's but it's for for the context you, you've actually you've weaponized it against mm, them mm. publicly or something yeah. like that yeah um and it becomes sort of it may well be true but it in, but context makes it sort of a slur if, yeah. if that makes sense because yeah, it wasn't works. it's not truth for that context yeah yeah but i yeah i don't know that's an interesting little thought so yeah. but uh, yeah certainly um the worst thing we could do is, is say untrue things about somebody. That's even worse than mm. slandering, if, if that mm. makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Look, there was another question on this uh, theme. So someone's asked, how do you balance not slandering others mm. with having a healthy vent <laughs> about a situation or a person who made life difficult? Now, uh, to be fair to the <laughs> question, they've, they've put a question mark next to healthy vent. Yeah. So I think they're wrestling with whether it is possible to healthily vent about someone. Yeah. Uh, what would you say? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, Lachlan. Um, yeah, gee, that gee, thinking through the idea of a healthy vent is a, uh, it's a there can be a fine line there, can't there? Mm. Um, I guess to whom and for what purpose? I guess um, there are times where I think um, it's right and proper to talk things through with somebody to help you process your thoughts, um, but gee, you got to be careful about slander in those kind of times. Um, mm. And to what end? Is it so that you can learn and help you to perhaps love that person that you're finding difficult, like learn to love them mm, better? Mm. Or is it this that you're really just angry and you, this is rather than talking to them about it, you, you blow off steam to somebody else? Um, yeah. So that, that'd that be one thing 
that, I, that I'd be thinking about. What, what's my purpose in having the conversation? What am I trying to achieve here? Um, are, are there times where you need to blow off steam? I, I suppose that there there can be. Um, where, where it, um, but I guess to whom and, and uh, for what purpose? And I guess that's a very um, murky pond sometimes to, to know. Um, Definitely. Yeah. I don't, do you have any wisdom on it? Uh, look, I wouldn't necessarily say wisdom, but uh, one of the things that comes to mind for me is that we can always talk to God mm. about situations that are frustrating us. Mm. And I think sometimes we're too slow to do that. Yeah. We're quick to go to another person yeah. uh, before actually coming before God yeah. and just in prayer talking the situation through with Him. Yeah. And often I've found that that mm. gives me enough mm. processing that... Yeah diffuses things before I then need to go that's a really helpful comment mate yeah Yeah. I'm conscious as I say that that I'm an internal processor and not a verbal processor and so I imagine that for me just my makeup makes Mm. talking to God you know prayer and internal processing there's some overlap and similarity there I understand external processors verbal processors that might be harder but look you can pray verbally to God it doesn't have to be internal yeah Uh, just yep. check that who's around listening mm. to you as you externally mm. pray about yep. these people that are frustrating you. Yep. But yeah, definitely go to God yeah. uh, first. Yep. I think as well in situations where people have been frustrating you, um, yeah, you can talk to someone in a way that doesn't name the person, yep. that doesn't make it something that can be guessed about yeah. who it is. Yep. And so in that way, you're not uh, changing another person's opinion mm. of someone who's frustrated you. Yeah. And that brings me to, I guess, my other reflection here is if we're on the receiving end of those vents, mm. watching our heart, that it doesn't mm. change. Because you know, you're hearing one side of the story there. Yep. There's always multiple things going on. Yep. Uh, so be careful not to let that one side yeah. change how you then go and relate to this person that you've heard about. Yep. Yep. And perhaps maybe a further day, if you do receive a vent, like gently sort of like asking the person, have you talked to God about this? Mm. Like, have you talked to the person about, mm. like if this is a really big issue or something like that and you're, mm. you're venting at me about it, like ha- have you been to speak to that person? And I, like I think that is interesting. Just how much, like a couple of instances where Jesus talks about just the importance of, like even one time he's like, leave your gift at the altar and go and be reconciled mm. back to your brother mm. or mm. your sister. Um, sometimes like I think that's that's really important, that fellowship with God and fellowship with that person that perhaps you're frustrated at are actually the most important thing and so maybe mm. you, you need to um, now sometimes I, don't, I can't imagine a moment where it could be helpful to talk with a trusted friend or leader about hey I'm thinking about having this conversation can you help give me some wisdom not to gossip not to vent or something like that but just so that you can have the conversation with the mm. person better mm. um, yeah yeah good thoughts so. and I'm sure there's more to think about and chat about there and if you're listening and you you know this is a question that you're wrestling with. Mm. Feel free to come find us and we can talk more about particulars. Yeah. Things yep. like that. Yeah, nice. Uh, look, Sam, we've got one more question, but before we get to I just want to comment that uh, I really appreciated from the sermon one of the other litmus tests about keeping an oath even when it hurts. Yeah. Uh, I thought that, what a great phrase. Yeah, even when it hurts. Yeah. yeah. It's so easy and tempting, I think, to change our word, to not commit, to keep our plans open, but... Yeah. What a good encouragement there yeah. to uh, actually commit and, and stick with it even when it hurts. So thank yeah. you for no, highlighting no that. No worries. But look, the final question, just in general, we, we see all these yep. aspects of our character that we're meant to be living out. You've said at the start there that we don't do it perfectly. Mm. Jesus has. Mm. Uh, so someone's asked if Jesus has bridged that gap for us, then does it really matter mm. if we 
have these other characteristics? Can we just park them, get on yep. with life? Yep. What do you reckon? Yeah, and I mean, this is this is the kind of this is a bigger than Psalm fifteen question, isn't it? This can go right to the to the set, to the nature of the gospel itself, you know. And sometimes you can think about that idea of cheap grace, you know, mm. that um, Jesus picks up the tab. Sweet, I'm going to go out and spend. Do, do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm going to go and um, and Paul talks about this kind of idea. You know, um, if if it's all by grace, if it's all sort of. Um, why not go on sinning mm. so that grace might increase a little bit Start more? Start Romans six. Yeah, it's, Romans it's a great six. Great question. That, that, you know, he asks a bunch of great questions through that section of Romans and kind of exploring this very question, which is like, well, if it's all free, well, then what, what does it really matter? Mm. Um, and I think a he. Um, he comes, comes. Paul comes back on that question pretty, pretty uh, firmly. In, in you know, um, how foolish, you know, mm. that, um, that that you would ask even even ask the question. You know, why well, I asked it? Whoops. Um, but, but the uh, I think why not? Well, because I think um, God's holiness, as we as we start to realise that just how massive and big it is, and how much Christ has done to to kind of. Um, Give, to, to kind of gift us that, that righteousness and holiness, we, we kind of tremble before it and we, we, wouldn't want, we, we wouldn't want to take kind of um, a relationship with God for granted in any kind of way. Mm. But actually we see that it cost Christ's death to pay my mm. tab. Do you know what I mean? It, like so huge is the cost that has been, pra- been paid for me. I, I, I really wouldn't want to. I don't want to, I don't want to play with fire if you know, if that makes mm. sense. Um, mm. So that's one thought. Second thought as well is um, 1 Peter 1, uh, God writes, um, be holy as I am holy. So it's actually now that we, we know the Lord, we actually want to be like him. Um, so rather than seeing these, these five litmus tests and looking at them and thinking, well, that's five horrible ways to live. Lucky I don't have to do that. We actually see and we say, hey, I'm actually seeing God. This is, this is God's own character. And that makes sense because this is God's turf that I want to go live on, right? Um, this, this is what God's like. This is awesome. Like mm. each of these, like uh, someone who is blameless and righteous, that's beautiful. Um, someone who keeps their word, that's beautiful. Someone who doesn't slay, that's beautiful. Um, I, I want that. I want to be like God. I want to be holy as he is holy. Um, and, and I think grace actually, God's grace actually opens up our eyes to go, oh gosh, sin is awful and God's holiness is beautiful and I, I want that. I want to be like God. And so I think it really does matter um, that, that, we, that we seek to try and live these ways. Even though we know we, we won't perfectly, I think we do, we do want to strive and, and make every effort to, to live this kind of life because um, we actually see how good it is and, uh, and we, want, we want what is good and, and here is God exhibiting to us what is good. That's what we want. So, um, yeah, so I think a, um, perhaps a, someone who, who looks at this and says, sweet, I don't have to think about those again, I, I think perhaps hasn't quite grasped what's going on here in Psalm 15 yeah. and hasn't fully appreciated, A, what Christ has done, and B, just how good God is. But I don't know, do you want to add anything to that? To kind of... No, I think, look, that's really helpful, really clear. Uh, I think of the logic of Colossians 3. Uh, mm. That's a passage I go to with people who are, exploring Christianity or yeah. new Christians because it's just so clear you have been raised with Christ yep. therefore set your mind so on things above and therefore start living into that reality yeah live as what you are that's it yeah that's it so yeah. Colossians explains that logic so clearly it does doesn't it yeah. look Sam thanks for your time yeah uh, no it's been good to keep probing into Psalm 15 there's mm. more that we could meditate on and mm. reflect on as we sit under God's word in that psalm yep but we've 
covered some good ground today. Cool. Uh, this coming Sunday, we're on into Psalm 22. Which you're up for. I am. So I don't know if I'm interviewing myself next week for the extras. <laughs> we'll figure that one out. <laughs> uh, hopefully someone else is here to chat with me about it. But I'm looking forward to getting into Psalm 22 yeah. and seeing how God doesn't despise our misery. Yeah, beautiful. It's really good. Beautiful. Thank you, Tom, Sam. And we'll see you next week. See you, mate. Thanks again. Thanks again.